The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Hey, Captain, any idea where we are? No. That wind must have taken us thousands of miles. Fiji, maybe. Or New Zealand. Anywhere. Anywhere? On the other hand, there'd be nowhere. Hey, Captain? Gentlemen, we're going to climb that. What for, Captain? The exercise? No, for survival, Mr. Spillett. From up there, we might be able to see where we are and how we can escape. Escape to where this time? I'm in the Confederate Army, not yours. The arrangement was, once we landed, I stopped being your prisoner. The agreement was we'd go our own ways. Now, either you come my way or you can fend for yourself. I'm a civilian. I don't have to take orders from you, whatever army you're in. That's legally correct, Mr. Spillett, but uh, I was under the impression that you'd join my command. Look, Captain, why don't we turn this island into a democracy and elect a leader? One who won't keep escaping to places which need escaping from. Because all of us here are still at war, Mr. Spillett, and I just happen to be the ranking officer. Still at war? All right. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March 15, 2018. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing... It's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Although our opener today was borrowed from the classic film Mysterious Island, what you really heard was an insight into the war going on inside Ontario's Progressive Conservative Party. But just as with the outcasts stranded on the mysterious island who had no knowledge of where they were or where they should be going, so too Ontario's Progressive Conservative Party continues to sail rudderless in the sea of political right and left. Can Doug Ford save the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party? That's a question that needs to be addressed before we can even dare ask whether Ford can save Ontario from Kathleen Wynne's Liberals, or if that even matters. You can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes and SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of our past archived broadcasts. For those seeking a change in the direction of their Ontario government... The election of Doug Ford as leader of Ontario's Progressive Conservative Party this past weekend was not necessarily good news. But the tragedy is that Ford is, if he's sincere at all about half of what he says he he actually wants to do, he's with the wrong party. But among diehard conservatives, and we'll be hearing the voices of a good number of them today, you would think Ford's election was basically the second coming of Christ. (laughs) All that remains now, I suppose, is the inevitable crucifixion that progressive conservatives are so well known for. (laughs) Despite all of the noise and excitement, nothing fundamental has really changed within the PC party. Everything we reviewed about conservatism over a few of our past recent broadcasts still remains the same. 
the Ontario PC party is still the party that has advanced socialism in Ontario, perhaps more than the socialist parties themselves. It is still a progressive, meaning left party. I'm not going to repeat why this is so, because we just recently devoted two or three whole hours to demonstrating that. Now, there's no question that the recent progressive conservative leadership contest was in many ways a train wreck. That's what happens when interests and ideologies that are in direct conflict with one another collide as they attempt to drive down the same track. The big tent philosophy of the PCs has caused their tent to include, among others, social conservatives, fiscal conservatives, libertarians, red Tories, blue Tories, Christian conservatives, straight-out power mongers, non-ideological folks who just want to get in for power, and hammerheads, the voters who just vote against the party that's in power and they vote for the party uh, that's most likely to beat the other party. These are all values in conflict. And as we'll hear from Rob Ford later on, he wants to include even more disparate groups under the big tent of the progressives. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding going on about what the nature of a political party is, that parties are not democracies. They are private organizations. All those groups that I just mentioned, from social conservatives right through to the hammerheads, these are values in conflict, and they, don't, they do not belong under a single tent. They are several tents. Each one is its own tent, complete with its own camp and followers. And this is what we've been seeing in conflict over the past several months within the ranks of the PC party. Now, that's not a party. Remember, when it comes to elections and candidates, you do not need to be the member or a member of a political party to be able to be a member of the provincial parliament. You can run as an independent, free from the constraints of any political party. And in that circumstance, you know, you don't have anything to deal with in terms of leadership debates, no party politics, no established long-term identity for a school of political thought and ideology to leave for others to adopt and carry forward after you leave the political scene. That's the disadvantage of being an independent. Part of the systemic problem with the PC leadership debate and process is the assumption that voting within a political party is part of some greater democratic process. It is not. It's not what necessarily what democracy is about. It might be what the PCs are about, but you can't argue that you're being denied some sort of democratic choice if you can't vote for the leader of a given political party. Political parties are private organizations, supposedly founded around commonly held philosophies and ideologies that are the sole glue that holds any particular party together. But that does not exist in the Progressive Conservative Party. The very name of the party is in conflict. Progressive conservative party is like saying the left-right party. And even worse, <laughs> this appears to be the very kind of party that Doug Ford envisions. That's just one of the many reasons it's hard to get a definitive stand on any issue or policy from the PCs. After all, policies divide. And it is policies and the ideologies behind them that create the various factions within the PC party in the first place, right? So Ford, for his part, has to remain, you know, the good old boy, sounding like a conservative, but appealing to the big tent, which is not conservative. Win an election? Maybe. Win the war against the left and create long-term you know, long better conditions for Ontarians? 
not very likely, particularly given the history of the Progressive Conservative Party when it was in power, and particularly when considering what Ford is already saying and promising going into this election. Doug Ford, by the way, was one of the key draws at the Rebel Media event held in Toronto a couple of years ago, which we reported on on this show, and which I attended along with Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever. So you can imagine my surprise to learn from David Menzies of the Rebel Media that the Rebel Media was actually kicked out of the PC Leadership Convention. speak with you any further, you need to leave, okay? Do you understand that? Do you understand that you need to leave? We have tried various contacts, but we haven't heard, and we're trying to find out who is kicking us out here, sir. Okay, so... So it's been explained to you that you're not welcome here for the convention? Why is that, sir? You'd have to ask the convention that? Okay, this is kind of like an Abbott Casella who's on first. We've been trying for days. So ultimately, sir, you'll have to speak to the the convention about why you're not allowed to be here. Who would that be? What would be the name of the person? I can tell you that you're not allowed to be on the property, so I'm asking you to leave. So you're asking us to leave the hotel itself? That's what I've just said. Okay, then, sorry, and who are you? You are... I'm the hotel security manager. Okay, then. And why are we being asked to leave the hotel? You're not welcome here. I've already explained that to you. And, but we are members of the press here. We're trying to cover this. Yeah, but you haven't been registered. That's up to the party, not to the hotel. I see every other media outlet allowed in. Why are we not allowed in? Sir, I can't answer that question for you. I don't work for the PC party. Well, you know, this just goes to prove, folks, what a complete and utter fiasco this leadership convention has been from mailed out ballots that never arrived, to pin numbers that don't work, to people being prevented or locked out from going on a computer system. Here we are, a member of the press, trying to cover a convention, and you see we have these uh, fine gentlemen here telling us not only are we not welcome on the convention floor, we have to leave the property. I'm the security for the event and I'm asking you politely to leave. He's the security of the hotel, and he's asking you to leave the hotel property. And at the moment, you're considered trespassing. Trespassing? Ask the security management for the hotel. Well, as you can see, folks, the uh, security guard who was uh, just following orders, and (laughs) where have we heard that one before, uh, is talking to the police and uh, evidently referred to us as not real media. I guess that comes to a... A bit of a surprise to the almost 900,000 subscribers of Rebel.media. But as you can see, they've, uh, they've called in for reinforcements. They asked us to leave. We'll obey the law, of course. We will leave. Uh, but nevertheless, this remains an absolute outrage. And part of the outrage is nobody upstairs, part of the PC party, nobody has the spine to come down and tell us face-to-face that we're out of here and give us a reason why we can't come and cover a convention that might be producing the next premier of this province. I just want to tell you that we were only here to cover this as members of the media. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we do not have access to the hall any longer. Members, I ask you to please go home to wait the results. We cannot stay here. Media cannot stay here either, and I invite the media to go to the media room upstairs. We'll issue a press release and we'll advise members as soon as possible once the results are available. Ultimately, what I can assure is a continued fair election, an accurate result, and a new leader.
who will lead us at the new election, next election and who will win the next election for the Ontario BC Party. Thank you all. Have a good evening. We have a ton of voices on the live drive this afternoon. Kathleen Wynne, of course. We're going to have a very important and fundamental debate about government in Ontario. Some of the uh, messages uh, we... <laughs> First one I saw, Bambi can beat Wynne. Let's go down the list. Andy, I'm shocked that certain people still think a voting conservative means you're against gay rights and for abortion. Give your head a shake, people. Canadians wouldn't go backwards. Vote conservative if you don't want this province to go bankrupt. Andy, thank goodness we can finally rest a little knowing there is a greater chance Catherine Wynne, Kathleen, will be saying bye-bye Ontarians. Hope Doug Ford can pull this off to become our next premier. Andy, if you think Saturday night was bad, go back and look at 1996 when Dalton McGinty was elected leader. It was almost morning before that was settled. Andy, Ford is the janitor slash maintenance guy in the university, and the other politicians are the staff. He's there to clean up the mess and make everything run. Uh, Andy, isn't an election supposed to be part of a democracy? Well, if a part of card-holding conservatives couldn't vote due to a computer glitch, couldn't someone contest Doug Ford's leadership? Okay, so those are some of the messages. Let's go to the phones. Jim, you're up first. Well, I'll tell you, I, I woke up. Well, I didn't wake up. I stayed up. I'll be honest, Andy. I, I thought Christine was going to win it because... The backroom boys had her all crowned ahead of time, and uh, I was shocked because the way this system works with um, with the districts, with the ridings, and not the popular vote. But uh, I'm impressed with Doug Ford. If he moderates himself and um, gets some real good conservative policies, he's going to win this election, and we're going to have a conservative premier. He, he's a Donald Trump of Ontario. Donald, there are many facets of Donald Trump. Um, some of them... Grass, gra grassroots, Andy. Donald Trump had a rally yesterday, and 25,000 people showed up. An hour and 15 minutes long. He just yeah. loves doing those. 25,000 people. The, the day before the election last year, I don't want to get on the U.S. election, he had four rallies, and at 1 o'clock in the morning... 30,000 people came out in Michigan. And Doug Ford's the same. He's grassroots. He came to the Pizza Hut with about, I don't know, 30 people, maybe 35 people. It was the last minute he was in Sarnia. And he's such a grassroots individual. He's the common man politician. And, and that, I think that's going to get him elected. And if he talks uh, like a brawler once in a while, like Trump, it probably will only add to his stature. His, Exactly. You know, I mean, Trump's, I'll be honest, Trump's biggest fault is he needs to keep his mouth shut. His policies are working, just keep his mouth shut. But that's not, that's part of his character. He's going to have a tough time doing that. He's like me, I guess. Andy says a texter, hope Doug Ford doesn't change his good and honest ways. I've seen so many political party leaders change as soon as they are in that position. Look at how Trudeau is a totally different person after uh, the election. Next one, Andy, Doug Ford is, quote, a thinking man's version of Rob Ford. <laughs> same passion, same people skills, little of the demons. He will grow on people and surprise the so-called experts. Andy, the people love Trump and his mouth. People are tired of quiet politicians. Next one, we love Trump. See the comparisons? Um, 
Okay, with Trump. Andy, I think he is the only one that has a chance against the Libs. Toronto is key, and he seems popular there. Also, there are some voters out there that are very old school and would not support a woman leader, uh, sad uh, but true. Um, Andy, thank goodness we can finally rest a little, knowing that there is a greater chance... Uh, Kathleen Wynne will be saying bye-bye Ontarians. Hope Doug Ford can pull this off and become the next Premier of Ontario. Uh, Todd, what do, what do you think of Doug Ford? Uh, I was a little disappointed when he got elected, but I he must be doing something right when every mainstream media, Twitter, Facebook said, oh, he's the wrong choice, he's the wrong choice. And those people would never vote for him anyways. I love the way you go on Twitter and some some of the pundits of that Facebook and oh Rob Ford's the wrong choice, the wrong choice. Well, all you got to do is look at their profile. They're a freaking liberal. They got their picture taken with Wynn and all the other liberals and this. And I just don't like being told what to do. There we go. I was lean, I was leaning Freedom Party just because like I want to exercise my right. But yeah, you know what? I'll vote for him. There we go. Appreciate the call. Ouch! That last call hurt. <laughs> That was from the March 12th broadcast of the Andy Utman Live Drive show, all about Doug Ford that aired this past Monday. Kathleen Wynne says, We're going to have a very important and fundamental debate about government in Ontario. Well, this is perhaps the scariest thing that the progressive conservatives have to face. Because on any fundamentals, liberals and PCs are essentially on the same page. But there were a good dozen people who responded to Ford's uh, election as party leader on Andy's show, and quickly I want to go through as many of them as I can. And uh, Andy didn't give give names, so I'm just going to go through them by number. Uh, number one was a texter who said Bambi can can beat Win. Well, no, Bambi cannot beat Win. That's just wishful thinking being expressed. I'm shocked that certain people still think voting conservative means you're against gay rights and for abortion. Says texter number two. Ironically, since then, Ford has already raised the abortion flag before even stepping out of the starting gate. And the same texture says, give your heads a shake, people. Vote conservative if you don't want this province to go bankrupt. Well, conservatives have been the primary architects of Ontario's debt. It's a history that we have repeated many times on this show, but conservatives aren't interested and do not want to know. Texture number three, thank goodness we can rest, finally knowing that we can say bye-bye to Kathleen Wynne. Well, that's either sarcasm or wishful thinking. It's hard to say which. Ford is there to clean up the mess and make everything run, says texture number four, but again, wishful thinking. Isn't an election supposed to be a part of democracy, asks texture number five. Well, this wasn't an Ontario election. How or if the PCs choose to run their voting rules is up to their executive. Caller Jim, number six, is impressed with Doug Ford. Get this, if he moderates himself and gets some good conservative policies. So in other words, he likes Doug Ford, but he thinks he's immoderate (laughs) and doesn't have any conservative policies. And he needs to get some, and when he does, then he'll be a great leader. That's what he's saying. This one was interesting, texture number seven. I hope Doug Ford doesn't change his good and honest ways. I've seen so many political party leaders change as soon as they're in that position. Look how Trudeau's a different person after the election. Well, this, this type of thinking is something I've heard all my political life. Neither Doug Ford nor Justin Trudeau have changed or will change their ways. What changes is the person who's saying this. 
Trudeau was not a different person after the election than he was before. It's just that the texter, in this instance, did not know or understand the nature of Trudeau's leftward political ideology and direction. Even though Trudeau was declaring it loudly and clearly throughout his entire election campaign. The average person simply does not understand left and right or the policies and ideologies that invariably accompany each. And, you know, Trudeau did and is doing exactly what he said he would do. So don't be acting surprised. There should be no surprise. What should be surprising is that you voted for somebody you didn't understand. Doug Ford is a thinking man's version of Rob Ford, says texture number eight. If anything, I would say Doug is avoiding as many thoughts as possible and just trying to state a very simple bromide-type approach to all the issues. Texture number nine, the people love, love Trump and his mouth. The people are tired of quiet politicians. Now, there's somebody who's in total contrast to Caller Jim, who liked both Ford and Trump, but again, a completely superficial association, and he didn't like the fact that Trump was, you know, unquiet. <laughs> Number 10, we love Trump. Well, there you go. Total association of Ford with Trump. Again, superficial. Then finally, caller Todd, who we heard at the end there, I was, you know, who said, I was disappointed when Ford was elected, but he must be doing something right when every mainstream media says he's the wrong choice. I was leaning Freedom Party, but I'll vote for Ford now. Now, with Todd, there's evidence of the real damage being done by the Progressive Conservative Party. By being seen as a party in opposition to the Liberals, it is assumed that the PCs are also moving in an opposite political direction from the Liberals, and this has never been so since the days long before Bill Davis. But few people really know or understand this. And so, a real opposition, like the Freedom Party of Ontario, to the prevailing politics of the day, is once again set back by others pretending to be this opposition when they are not. So as you can see, the things that motivate voters to vote the way they do have very little or nothing to do with what the whole affair is supposed to be all about, choosing the right ideas. The real problem, ladies and gentlemen, is not the political candidates or parties, but the people who vote for them blindly, on faith, and in direct opposition to reason. And by reason, I mean even their own reasons. For more evidence of this, coming up next is another selection of callers, this time as heard on March 12th's Andrew Lawton Show, which aired on CFPL AM 980 in London. We'll go first on the phones to Harry here. Uh, Harry, Doug Ford, as the leader of the PC party, would make you more or less likely to vote for the Conservatives? Uh, absolutely more likely. We need major surgery. Uh, I think Kathleen Wynne, in those statements she makes, she's completely pathological. I, I just Anyway, uh, it'll be interesting, Andrew. I, I would concur that you know when Doug Ford entered the mayoralty race, uh, he was, what, three weeks away from the election, Andrew, or something, and he managed to beat Elizabeth Chow. Um, so, you know, despite what the media says, um, I, I really think uh, he's going to win. Uh, and I I mean, I just I honestly can't understand anybody who checks a ballot. I could see somebody saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm not voting this election, but to actually check the box beside Kathleen Wynne, I just, I don't know what's it going to take you know, for the entire province to fall apart before those people wake up, or what? 
there's no question if you really look uh, a little deeper into the Ford family, if you look at what they've done in their community, in Etobicoke and so on, I mean, he does transcend political lines. Uh, there will be NDPers, Liberals, uh, Conservatives. I mean, he'll get that support from uh, various groups. Um, you know, they're not perfect, but none of us are. And at the end of the day, I think he's well-intentioned. And I think we need a stark contrast to Kathleen Wynne because we just we cannot have another four years of, uh, of Kathleen Wynne. So while, while I agree there will be some people that are going to have some problems at first getting around it and maybe thinking... I, I, I got to say, some of those people just play probably if they can't bring themselves around to vote for whatever reason because they believe the media nonsense. Uh, if they do, then, geez, a lot of them, I can't see them checking the ballot for Kathleen Wynne either. So Yeah, anyway. that's fair. Appreciate the call very much, Harry. Thank you, sir. I have an email from Alan here. He writes, I think a lot of the press has missed the real trend here. People are sick of the politically correct career politicians that just want to collect their paycheck. Kathleen Wynne did not want Doug to win this. He's an outsider, has no respect for her or the process. She'll be lucky if the Liberals get 10 seats when this is done. People want to change. They want a big one. They're sick of spending money at outrageous rates. They're sick of the lack of good jobs, outrageous taxes, the carbon tax scam, the hydro sell-off, and on and on and on. Doug gets to spend all his time from now to the election to get his word out. Kathleen Wynne will be trying to keep up with him, but she has to do her job as well. This will be a train wreck for the Liberals. Well, look, it's possible. But again, you can't say definitively that anything will happen. Because I remember in 2007... It was definitive. John Tory was going to win. I remember in 2011, in 2014, oh, Tim Hudak's going to win. There's no way he's not going to win. And then look what happens. We'll go to Fred next on this. Fred, more or less likely to vote Conservative with Doug Ford at the helm? Well, I'm more likely to vote for Doug Ford than I would have been to vote for Patrick Brown. Wow. I, I thought, I had my doubts if Patrick Brown was even a Conservative. I'm, I don't I don't think I, don't, I won't claim that my views are typical of those of every voter in Ontario, but I'm ready to vote for someone who has a more modest conception of the role of government. I, I'd like to vote for somebody who actually feels that there's a responsibility to perhaps match uh, income with expenditures in Ontario. As I say, I, I don't know if those I don't don't know if those would be concerns for the average voter, but those are things that are important to me. And I feel the middle class is being destroyed in Ontario by its own government. Patrick Brown lacked energy because Patrick Brown lacked conviction. Doug Ford can at least feign conviction. My my preferred candidate would have been Christine Elliott. But if there really is a, a uh, an underground stream of discontent in this province, if it's really there, Doug Ford is the man who can tap it. If there's really a simmering discontent uh, discontent in this province for political correctness, Doug Ford is the man who can blow the lid off it. I don't know if any of that's true. Those are a couple of big ifs. He, he doesn't have caucus support. The vote was very narrow. We'll go next to Marilyn on this one. Marilyn, yay or nay on Doug Ford? 
Well, yay, because um, I think he's going to make a very strong leader, and he's not going to take any bull or guff from anybody. That he certainly won't. Well, I think Angela, now I always voted New Democratic, but she pales so badly. She's not the firecracker that Wynn is or Doug Ford. So I, I doubt, well, they won't get in, the, the NDPs. And I think anyone that would vote for Kathleen Wynne needs her head examined. And I think that the conservatives, I'm going to vote conservative because I like Doug Ford. I liked his brother, too. His brother's a character. Well, so am I. <laughs> so anyways, uh, that's uh, my take on it. I really am not an expert on politics, but I've got a good feeling about Doug Ford. We'll go to Keith next on this. Now, Keith, you were not a Ford supporter initially, but where are you landing now? Well, I was, yeah, I was Elliott supporter, and uh, but now I'm right behind. I want a Ford Nation sign on my lawn. Um, Ford's not a bad man. I've watched him through all the debates and stuff like that, and I hope that gets across more to the people of Ontario. Um, he's not Trump-like uh, in any way, um, besides being white and a male. Um, he's him and Christine Elliott's platforms were quite similar. Um, all the four really seem to come out the same. So, yeah, I'll be uh, going forward, Nation. There needs to be change in this province. We can't keep going on this way. And uh, he seems he's going to look line by line, like he says, and find efficiencies. And hopefully he doesn't do anything to really, uh, how do you say this, pee off the electorate. As long as he sticks with the plan, I have to look at it. And you know what I mean? He has a short run here. He can do really well. Because um, the Liberals are going to try to say, oh, he's going to do this. They're going to put words in his mouth like crazy. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jerry, what do you think? Well, I, I like Ford. Uh, I'm a disenchanted liberal. And uh, I went so far to sign up as a conservative member just so I could vote for Ford in the leadership campaign. I saw him in London, and uh, I'm impressed. I like I like his attitude, I like his demeanor, I like his narrative. I don't think he has to say anything, no policy, no nothing. All he has to do and his team has to do is hold Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals' feet to the fire. Go back to Orange, go back to hospitals. There was an article today in the Windsor Star how a person was four weeks and he couldn't get into an Ontario hospital, had to have an emergency surgery. That should be number one. So it's one thing to think of how Doug Ford can win over conservatives. How did he win over a liberal? Real simple. You got tired of the same BS that Kathleen Wynne and McGinty did. You got tired of it. It was embarrassing. I want nothing to do with Trudeau now, and I voted for him. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're getting disenfranchised at all levels. Well, it, it, it's sickening. It's absolutely sickening. They talk about entitlement. Man, they wear it in their briefs. We'll go to John on the phones here next. John, what do you think? How do you think Doug Ford needs to cement his victory? Uh, well, a lot of the callers are hitting on the same points, but I think the, 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 real, the, the real key here is, is we want to get the Liberals out i mean kathleen Wynne for all the baggage and everything is bad enough but if he focuses on getting liberals out of power and sticks to that 
that's probably going to be the best winning formula because the Liberals are going to throw everything at this guy. They are going to they're going to use everything they can get their hands on. Oh, it's already started. And it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. You, you know, they're going to they're going to I I don't, you know, liberals desperately want to cling to power and they'll even throw Kathleen under the bus to stay in power if they have to. They're going to, you know, they're going to it's going to be a slaughter out there. And if he just sticks to let's get the liberals out of power, let's get the liberals out of power and not make it personal on Kathleen Wynne, that's probably his best strategy moving forward. That's We'll go next to Brian. Uh, Brian, what do you think? I think the path to victory just lies in the dollars and cents. I mean, when this this province, we're starving. As a general people, we're absolutely starving. And it's not just um, the poor are getting poor and the rich are getting richer. The rich are getting poor and the poor are getting even more poor. So... Businesses can't thrive. Uh, the average family can't thrive. So that's all he needs to stick to is the money. And if he's a fiscal conservative, that's that is his wheelhouse. And that's all that Ontarians want right now is to be able to have disposable income. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Thank you to our financial supporters who have made it possible for us to continue on our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. You can join us on our journey in the right direction by checking out our Patreon account at patreon.com slash justrightmedia or by visiting our homepage at www.justrightmedia.org to become an active participant through your financial support. Make it a point to sample and share some of our timeless archive broadcasts featuring past discussions of all things just right about freedom and capitalism. Well, we heard another set of callers there, and the first caller, Harry, said he would be more likely to vote conservative with Ford at the helm and called Wynne completely pathological. To actually check a box beside Kathleen Wynne, I don't get it, right, (laughs) Uh, says Harry. Well, Harry's a fellow who by what he has said clearly does not understand what motivates politics or voting. To him, what Wynne is doing is pathological. But really think about it. That's true of all leftist ideologies to some extent or another. They're all divorced from reality and reason. There's no such thing as something for nothing. Didn't your mother teach you that? Asked the devil, as played by Elizabeth Hurley in the movie Bedazzled. So if you want something for nothing then you'll be checking the box beside Kathleen Wynne. What's so hard to get about that? The difficulty comes in learning to understand that this so-called pathological thinking has its roots in very specific ideologies, and usually something that's unreal. Texter Allen says that people are sick of the politically correct. Ford's an outsider. Wynne will be lucky if she gets 10 seats. But again, so what? Given that either the NDP or the PCs would continue down Wynne's path, perhaps at, at a faster rate in one case and a slower rate in another, who really cares? Caller Fred said he's more likely to vote Ford than Patrick Brown and had doubts that Brown was even a conservative. <laughs> There's that lack of knowledge about identity politics and politicians, I guess. The political identity of the people and parties who are supposed to represent some kind of ideas, you know, like maybe conservative ones. When I heard Fred say that 
quote, I'm ready to vote for someone who has a more modest conception of the role of government, who feels that there is a responsibility to match income with expenditures in Ontario, end quote. I thought for sure that here was a real Freedom Party type, given that Freedom Party is the only political party that has ever presented a balanced budget proposal to the electorate for several elections running. But the public isn't looking for a balanced budget. The public wants relief from the unjust burdens of the very government they're voting to burden them. But when Fred said his favorite candidate would have been Christine Elliott, well, my jaw just dropped at the glaring contradiction. I mean, Elliott is pretty much a carbon copy of Kathleen Wynne. And during the PC leadership debate, even Doug Ford went so far as to point that out. Then there's the caller Marilyn who said she liked Ford because he'll make a, you know, make a strong leader and not take any bull from anyone. Here again, we have a socialist voter who said that she usually voted New Democrat, supporting a supposedly fiscally conservative leader. Think about that contradiction just in and of itself. To Marilyn, who is at least very blunt in her own self-assessment that, quote, I'm really not an expert on politics, but I've got a good feeling about Doug Ford, she sees no value in the actual differences in ideologies. But in any case, Marilyn has chosen to act on her feelings because the critical information and knowledge she needs to make an informed choice is utterly lacking, and that's a position a lot of voters find themselves in. Then there was Keith, who says he's an an Elliott supporter and has now become a Ford supporter. Ford's not a bad man, not Trump-like any in any way besides being white and male. He and Elliot quite similar. All four candidates were much the same. Well, Keith is yet another caller who would have supported Kathleen Wynne's carbon copy in the PC party, Christine Elliott. Now he supports Ford and quite correctly concludes that Ford's views are similar to Elliot's. But this notion of finding, you know, line-by-line efficiencies as a means of pulling Ontario out of its fiscal crisis is beyond any reasonable expectation, as Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever will make perfectly clear as our show progresses. Then there was Jerry, who says he likes Ford, and he's a disenchanted liberal and voted for Ford. He said he's impressed with his attitude, demeanor, and narrative. But he doesn't want him to say anything about policies and anything like that. He says all he has to do is criticize when. Well, Jerry's definitely a liberal. His no-policy, no-nothing approach is his, is his key formula for success. Holding the government in power accountable by holding its feet to the fire of past scandals is something that's been done in every election. Yet this approach fails as often as not, which is why we've had liberals in power for so long. He says, I want nothing to do with Trudeau now, and I voted for him. It's absolutely sickening, absolutely sickening, he said. So, Here's another liberal who's fallen victim to his own voting and campaign strategy. He voted for Trudeau, but did not understand Trudeau's ideology, which would have told him everything he needed to know. And yes, I agree that the ideology of the left is indeed sickening, absolutely sickening. Then, of course, there's John who says, the real key here is we've got to get the liberals out, we've got to get the liberals out, we've got to get the liberals out. (laughs) John is what we like to call a hammerhead voter. He votes only to get the party in power out and votes for the party that has the biggest hammer, the party he thinks has the best chance of defeating the party in power, regardless of what that party might represent. 
Now, John will be the guy who in some future election will hear saying, the real key here is we want to get the PCs out. <laughs> and so the circular path leftward goes. Brian says the path to victory lies in dollars and cents. The province is starving. The rich are getting poorer and the poor are getting poorer. If he's a fiscal conservative, that's all Ontarians want right now. Well, Brian's call certainly spoke to the real frustration and crises being faced by an ever-increasing number of Ontarians. But merely being fiscal, without addressing the ideological causes of government spending, is not metaphysically possible. You can't stay committed to an expanded, universal, single-payer healthcare system and be fiscally responsible in any way. Those two things are incompatible with one another. Yet that's still what I've been hearing the PCs promise. Coming up next is a real contrast in perspectives between two different party leaders on what ails Ontario and how to fix it. Both interviewed by CFPL AM 980's Andrew Lawton, on this side of the bumper are selections from Andrew's March 12 interview with Ontario Progressive Party leader, Doug Ford, while on the return side of the bumper is a selection from Andrew's March 2nd interview with Freedom Party of Ontario leader Paul McKeever. The full unedited versions of each interview will be made available online along with our blog post accompanying this broadcast. You described your campaign as far more of a movement than a campaign, and, and I know that as someone who saw one of your events in action here in London, there was a, a great deal of support that you had, a lot of new support. You, you won. It was narrow, but it was a victory. What is, do you think this says about the party right now? Well, I, I think the party's changing. Uh, a lot of grassroots people, uh, traditional NDP and liberal voters, and even Green Party members, they want to change, and uh, they're coming on board. They told me they have faith in me. I'll make sure I'll voice their uh, their opinions, which I will. We're going to have a big tent here in the PC party. And I, I just can't wait to uh, get out there and continue uh, campaigning. It's going to be a, a tough race. Uh, liberals will do anything to hold on to power. Uh, make no mistake about it. Kathleen Wynne's a great campaigner, good debater. And uh, I just can't wait to get in the ring with her. Let's talk about platform here. Are you going to start from scratch and come up with a platform that you think fits with your goals and, and those of the party? Or are you going to take the Patrick Brown endorsed platform, the People's Guarantee, and, and really pick and choose what ones you think of that need to be carried forward into the June election? Well, that's a great question, Andrew. I'm going to uh, take some of the good, good things out of the uh, existing platform. We're going to condense it because I've never been on a campaign that we have... Uh, uh, 80-some-odd-page uh, platform. Uh, we're going to stick with the, the five uh, points that I've been hearing right across the province, and that's uh, people want good-paying jobs. They want to reduce the wait times in hospitals, and health care uh, is a priority. They want to make sure that we review the education uh, curriculum. Uh, they want to lower uh, taxes when it comes to the hydro, hydro rates, and uh, they also want to get rid of the carbon tax, and we're going to reduce the size and cost of government as well. When we talk about hydro rates, one of the largest expenses in any Ontarian's household, one of the most economically debilitating for a lot of people in the province, how do you tackle that? How do you specifically reduce hydro rates? And when Ontarians are calling you up, Doug, and saying, look, I, I, you got to do something about my hydro bill, what are you going to tell them that will happen under a government led by you? Well, it seems to all be tied into the, uh, this Green Energy Act and the turbines and 
and artificially inflating the hydro costs and the, the bankers and the investment bankers are making billions of dollars on it when it you know should be uh, they're, they're selling things for nine I'm just throwing out fictitious figures and something that that they're selling for 90 cents when it should be 10 cents so again we're going to review all these uh, contracts that the liberals have put in place over the last 15 years uh, and we're, we're going to uh, tear up the contracts where we can uh, when I say where we can uh, what I understand there's uh, an opportunity to uh, get rid of these uh, contracts we're subsidizing these wind turbines uh, which doesn't make sense where we can sell electricity outside of the province uh, uh, cheaper than what uh, people can buy it for that's unacceptable we have to uh, start putting money back into the taxpayers pocket instead of the government's pocket and it's uh, it's a real burden on to uh, the average household when they a lot of families have a choice between heating and eating so but it sounds sure, uh, it sounds as though you can't say definitively that you will be able to bring hydro rates down. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, 100% definitively, Doug Ford and the PC party will be bringing hydro rates down by 22% minimum, and uh, we will make sure we do that 100%. But that's a very specific number. How do you know that you can get to that if you haven't had a chance to review all of these contracts that you were just mentioning? <coughs> well, we've, we've had uh, discussions regarding... Uh, existing platform and we've costed out the existing platform and there's certain things that uh, are going to put more money into our platform a few things we're going to be taking out but uh, we're running through the numbers have an opportunity to sit down with the interim uh, leader Vic Fidelli talk to a lot of other MPPs and other candidates they're all confident that we can uh, increase services uh, reduce uh, uh, overall and by the way we are going to reduce uh, some of that debt we're going to allocate money to reduce that debt and we're going to find 4% efficiencies uh, within the government. And I always ask people, as I crisscross the, the province, Andrew, can you find $0.04 cents on every dollar that the government spends? Uh, everyone breaks out laughing. Uh, first reaction, second reaction is only $0.04. Cents. We're going to start at $0.04. Cents, and $0.04 cents equals almost $6 billion. That should be going back in the taxpayer's pocket instead of the government's. Do you see yourself as a polarizing figure in Ontario politics? Not, not at all. The only time I'm polarizing is when I'm pulling uh, the special interests and the, the, you know, the elites and the political establishment pulling their hands out of the, the average person's uh, pocket. That's when I become polarizing, when I start sticking up for the grassroots people. But are you getting nervous when you see a forum poll uh, published today says 48% of Ontario voters disapprove of you? Does that make you nervous? Well, I haven't even seen this uh, forum poll. I don't know if they polled uh, 800 people in Toronto or... Uh, did they do it right across the province? So I, I don't trust polls at all. The polls are wrong all the time, and they've been proven every election they're wrong. So as far as I'm concerned, polls are for uh, dogs, and that's about it. You have a, a reputation as being fairly brash. Is that a good thing in your view? Is that something that Ontario needs? Well, I don't think I'm, I'm brash. I just stand up for the taxpayers. You know, when, when they don't have a voice, when the grassroots don't have a, a voice, and they, they finally have someone that's going to stand up for them and, and voice their opinion... I, I don't care uh, where they come from um, or what party they belong to. I'm going to fight for the taxpayers. And I'll, I'll fight day in and day out for those taxpayers to make sure that we watch uh, every single uh, bit of money that they have to pay in taxes. We'll leave no stone unturned. And there's no one, no one out there, uh, Andrew, that can tell me there isn't waste in government. There's so much waste uh, people can't even imagine. When I hear stories, I'm, I'm even shocked when I hear uh, these stories. So we're, we're going to address it. We're going to make this the most prosperous region to do business 
in anywhere in North America. And like I've always said, we're going to the border and we're putting this big sign up. Ontario is open for business. One-third of the budget, one-third of the money that the province is spending, we're dependent on transfers from the federal government. That's a really scary situation. If you look at, uh, for example, you just take the totals for health care, education, welfare, and debt servicing. That's $109 billion. We've only got $100 billion in Ontario tax revenue. So even $9 billion of the $12 billion that is just interest payments is being received from the federal government. And every other ministry, all of them, Edu- uh, you know, whether you're talking uh, agriculture, uh, uh, things to do with um, uh, Indian affairs, things to do with um, infrastructure, highways, you name it, it all is dealt with by that federal transfer money or an amount equivalent to the federal transfer money minus the $9 billion that they're spending on, on interest. So we can tinker around with $750,000, but we're actually dealing with a problem. I mean, consider this, health care itself, health care itself, it consumes 68.1% of all of the money raised by Ontario taxes. 68.1%. Education, 27.2%. Welfare, 12.4%. Those three together, and you're just about at the, all that's left. You know, There's nothing left in that budget. So it, it's okay. Yeah, we'll find a little bit of savings here and there. But it's not just about uh, you know, getting rid of the obvious waste and, and you know, someone paying $8 for a glass of orange juice. It's, it's about the fact that they've got a system, a long, long-standing problematic system, for example, in healthcare or in education, that says that um, there should be unlimited demand facing an artificially restricted supply. So you take healthcare, for example, they say, we're not going to spend more than this amount of money. How are we going to do that? Well, the premiers got together in 1990, and they said, let's artificially restrict the number of people we train to be physicians. And so we have a physician, physician shortage 37 years later. Or sorry, 27 years later. The thing with healthcare, though, Paul, is that it is, by and large, despite being provincially administered, federally mandated. So does the federal government not owe it to provinces to give them money if they're going to look to provinces and say, this is the national healthcare system, you've got to do it, though. You've got to do the heavy lifting. Yeah, it, you know, the, the left likes to talk a lot about the, uh, the federal aspect of things. But actually, the federal legislation, it only deals with a very small contribution of money by the federal government, and it sets terms for that money. And what it says is that everyone has to have access to health care on the same terms if it's funded with our money. Now, it's a very small uh, percentage of the money that goes to health care, federal money, but they set those terms. What they do not do is require that the government set up a tax-funded system. They do not require that the provincial government um, ban private competition for health care. None of that is required. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about the federal system. They have very little jurisdiction. Health care falls under, largely under, under provincial jurisdiction, in fact, exclusively. The money that we see from the federal government is just... Um, kind of power of the purse. It's not really constitutional or lawmaking money. So let's take what Deb Matthews was raising issue with, what the candidates have been facing in the leadership race for the PCs. $16 billion. Their People's Guarantee Plan is based on a costing analysis that's been done that says if the carbon tax comes in, they'll have $16 billion that'll cover everything else. They're asked, okay, how are you going to meet that $16 billion if you're not going to introduce a carbon tax? Would your answer to this be just not offer any of the things the $16 billion was supposed to cover? Yes. That would be my answer. Uh, they're, they're trying to buy an election <clears throat> the good old liberal way. 
which is to say, hey, we'll, we'll give you, I mean, snow tires for Pete's sake. That's one of the items they're giving away. I bought snow tires for two vehicles last, last year. Now I'm going to be paying for my neighbor's snow tires as well through the tax system. That's what they consider a conservative program. That's not a conservative program. That's an NDP program, if anything. And it and is so- interesting, just to interject there for a moment, how even when government does something that's supposed to be giving us a break, it, it doesn't go away. I look at e-testing as an example. It used to be this basic tax you had to pay, 30 bucks or something, to get your car e-tested. Now they say, all right, well, it's free. Well, it's not free. You still have to get the e-testing. That service still has to be paid for. The difference is now even people who don't have cars are paying for it. That's exactly right. Well, it's exactly Why not the abolish same. the e-test, right? Right. Well, that is a, that's certainly a good idea. But the, you know, you take back 2002, we had Ernie Eves. What did he do? He says, oh, it's a, you know, people are upset that because we've deregulated the retail end of electricity, that was done under Mike Harris, and that was a good decision. Uh, but, you know, Ernie Eve said, well, we're getting rid of the Harris era. We're going back to the good old pink Tory days, and we're going to uh, regulate, re-regulate the retail price of electricity and put a 4.3 cent cap on that price. Well, what happened? They scared away all of the private investors in power generation. And what happened as a result of that? The liberals offered all those companies way over cost um, uh, price contracts, like the ones we see now that they introduced through the great green energy pro- program, not because of the environment. They weren't trying to fight climate change. They were dealing with the fact that they'd butchered all trust in the government. See, if you're building a power generation plant in Ontario, you want to make sure that after you put all that money into it, you're going to be able to make a profit on it. But the Ernie Eves, followed by uh, Dalton McGinty years, said, "Uh uh-oh, we can't trust them. They're going to put price caps on and we'll never make a profit. We're not going to build the plants we planned on, on building. And so Eves went to the, the gas plant manufacturers, to the uh, windmills and et cetera, and said, tell you what, we'll pay you way above what, what you would otherwise get in a free market if you come and build here. And we'll, make you, we'll give you extended contracts because we realize we've scared you away. And we'll use the pretext of fighting climate change. But that's utter nonsense. So when Deb Matthews says you can't really find a $16 billion hole in the budget, what would you do that would save money instantly? Oh, well, the, the, the biggest thing you could do, and we're not proposing this in the current election, but we have proposed it in three or four different opposition budgets, is that you take the health care system, the OHIP system in particular, the part that funds it, you take it off budget, you make it a crown corporation, and you open that to competition, those who choose to stay in the OHIP system continue to get the same care that they get now. They pay the same price that they pay now on a per capita basis. They get the same ration service. But we would open up the service so that, for example, the, um, the scanning, I don't know if you remember this, but trucks used to come into the province offering various kinds of scans so that people could get their diagnoses done. And once they had the diagnosis, they could go to the healthcare system and say, see, I've got cancer. I don't want to wait a year for you to see that I've got cancer. Here's the, the scan that proves it. And so the Liberal government banned the diagnoses so that nobody was allowed to come in and offer private sector diagnoses because then they'd be having to deal with all those sick people. What you don't know, you don't have to treat. This is the disgusting system we have right now. And so what you have to do is op- reopen that, let people pay out of their own pocket if they want to, or stay in the OHIP system, their choice. Uh, nothing has to change for those who don't want it to change. But what does change is the fiscal situation, because you've taken off of the government budget, off of the general taxpayer budget, uh, some $57.95 billion, and let the market deal with that uh, directly. Just the way you would deal with buying food or buying tires, you would buy health insurance. Uh, it would not be a part of the government budget, and right away you, you would not be in a deficit situation. Paul McKeever joining me on the line, leader of the Freedom Party of Ontario. So just a quick review of what we heard from the two party leaders, Doug Ford for the Progressive Conservatives and Paul McKeever for the Freedom Party of Ontario. 
Ford basically brought up his big tent, no philosophy approach to government. He says the party's changing. It's a movement of grassroots people and that traditional NDP, liberal and green party voters are coming on board. It's a big tent here in the PC party, he says, and he's going to make sure he voices their opinions. So, now in addition to social conservatives, fiscal conservatives, libertarians, red Tories, blue Tories, Christian conservatives, power mongers, hammerheads, Ford is welcoming NDP, liberal and green party voters into his very progressive and now not conservative at all party. I didn't hear Ford welcome freedom party folks into his big tent. Curious, considering how many of FP's planks he started ripping off right after Freedom Party released its 2018 election platform. These are just some of the things where he's trying to sound like a conservative party that would move in the right direction. But here's another suck and blow platform. We'll give you more with less. We're going to have a lot of reviews, and we're going to look at things that we really don't understand yet ourselves. And then we'll find out later, holy cow, those were our policies that caused this, so we better leave them alone. <laughs> Doug Ford and the PC party will bring down hydro rates by 22% minimum, and we'll make sure we do that 100%. <laughs> Talk about gibberish. But this was just Doug Ford on, on a BS session. Again, completely lost in the very sea of his own party's policies. But Ontario's open for business. We're going to fight waste in government. This is just the exact same garbage I have heard from every single PC leader since I have been conscious about politics in this party. Nothing has changed. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't hear a single new idea, new direction that would make me think this PC party is going to be any different from the old ones or worse, any different from the liberals. Now on this side of the bumper we heard Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever. What an incredible contrast. I think most of you will have learned more facts about the situation that Ontario's in from that one interview than you'll hear from the rest of the election combined, from all the leaders combined. All this tinkering with 4% is nonsensical. You can see how it's ridiculous. And when Paul brings up the issue of unlimited demand against an artificially restricted supply, you would think, wouldn't you, that with all the fiscal conservatives around, how is it that this point isn't constantly being hammered over and over again? Don't they understand supply and demand? Don't they understand why this problem is manifesting itself and that you can't keep thinking that you can fix it without obeying the law of supply and demand? But here, here's the rub. Paul McKeever and others like him are exactly what Ontario voters continually reject because they believe in all of these other bromides and nonsensical associations that we just heard expressed on the show. So if you're looking for someone to blame in your upcoming dismal future in Ontario, look in the mirror. It's just not fair to criticize politicians for doing exactly what is asked of them. Kathleen Wynne is not Ontario's problem. The problem is those of us who continue to vote leftward, which is the exact opposite direction in which we'll be heading again next week. So join us again when we'll continue our journey in the right direction next week. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Ninety, twenty 20 years from now, on his 7 o'clock news, get this one though, 
Now, on his 7 o'clock news, network anchorman Spiro Agnew unleashed a blistering attack on U.S. Vice President Walter Cronkite. As a, as a result, the network reported that the Agnew News switchboard was flooded with a call from its viewer. 